0: Hello boys and ghouls, and welcome to episode 48, All About Plan 9, From Outer Space. Join us as we unearth the true and true enough story behind this tale of atomic age ghouls and its enthusiastic auteur, Ed Wood, as well as his 1994 biopic, Ed Wood use your small electrode gun. Shoot long-distance electrodes into the pineal and pituitary glands of the recently dead, so we can carry out Plan 9 from Outer Space. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. zombies,
1: exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases.
0: cases.
1: Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I
0: know that one of you is a
1: werewolf. Ain't nothing but dead folks. I, I want to kill the undead. Have so you, you ever talked to a, a corpse? corpse? Satan is our pal. It's boring. the knife, please.
0: <laughs> Look the birds <laughs> which give my creation. i can try or or not
1: i think probably the best thing to do is maybe do what the what the tim burton movie does and just chronologically go through his life and then talk about the movies as they come up with
0: in there i mostly just covered plan nine in this particular
1: i mean we're gonna talk biography anyway just sort of i would think talking about his life and then lead up to that
0: so we'll, we'll try to go
1: I'll start sure. I'll kick us off with a fun uh, bit about our opening. I'd love to talk about that as a all way right. to kick us off. yes, please. <clears throat> hey, Marshall. Yes, Kat. You pulled a fast one on me for like four years. Didn't know it well, in your defense, you probably mentioned this before, what cl- I'm sure knowing you that you gave me an itemized like verbal list of all of the clips that you use in our opening all
0: thirteen sources, probably. Yeah.
1: But I must have either not been listening or it's just been too long and it didn't stick with me because I had never seen Plan 9 from Outer Space or Glenn or Glenda. But I discovered something this week researching for this podcast, which is the music that is so ingrained in me from our opening theme for Boys and Ghouls podcast is from Plan 9 from Outer Space and where Bella Lugosi is saying be be there, be there. Take it. What? Be there. is yeah. from Glenn or Glenda oh, yeah. I never knew I never watched either of those films so I in fact was sitting down to watch Glenn or Glenda as tertiary research for this podcast and as I'm watching it, I'm like I should tell Marshall I'm watching this I wonder if he's seen it and then I see this part that is like One of the most aural, with an A, landmarks for me, and it's from Glenn or Glenda. Anyway, I'm just curious, was that for any reason that, because that is really important to you, it stuck out in your mind as, like, that would just be great there? Does Glenn or Glenda mean anything to you? Does Plan 9 mean anything to you really, really personally, or did the music just fit the tone? Talk to me about this.
0: (sighs) Okay. Um, Wow, we could have had this talk, like, four years ago. Never thought to do it. We didn't. Ed Wood, the man, and the movie, and Plan 9 from Outer Space as an extension of that, was always a great kind of meeting place of horror, filmmaking, and enthusiasm.
1: hmm You know? Yes.
0: And fandom all at once. Yeah. Which was, as much as the movie itself demonstrated to me, as I learned a bit at a time, where these samples in White Zombie's La Sexorcisto. Album came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I heard it as a teenager, it was all just like rock from hell. And then I learned that certain sound bites were from Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill. I never try anything; I just do it. And when I was watching a documentary about Ed Wood, I found out that the they come from the bowels of hell. And uh, I was like, what? That was from this benign source? You know, because to me, it, it was always just like, like a warning from the other side.
1: Right. Super hardcore. Yeah. Badass, if you will.
0: Absolutely. Also, while watching Mystery Science Theater, I learned that a ministry's song, So What, was just built from sound bites from Ed Wood's The Violent Years. Kill for a thrill. Kill, 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 kill. comes from all walks of life. So, like, like, the older I got, the, the more these heavy metal things.
1: It's like there's this really secret just... society that you're, like, slowly becoming a part of because you're recognizing where these things come from. Yeah,
0: or I, I'm looking behind the curtain. Yeah. And I'm I'm seeing uh, less menace, less, like, guitar-based menace, and more just a lot of fans of B-movies. Yeah,
1: a tip of to, the hat. To
0: say nothing of the Misfits, whose recording company? What do you call it with, with music? Uh, who's. Yeah, sure. Is called Plan 9. Mm. You know, and they got the song Vampira, And I mean, everywhere you look now, you can see that misfit skull. And to find out that was like a bad guy from an old, like, serial called The Crimson Ghost, mm-hmm. where it was a usual, just sort of cliffhanger punch him up with a bad guy with a really awesome mask. Yeah. He's dead. Another victim of The Crimson Ghost. Anyway, I'm getting away from Ed Wood. When I started this podcast i figured one of the um sound bites that i'd like is that they come from the bowels of hell so i got that from the original and it had music underneath of it from mm-hmm. from the trailer so i thought well i'll just use
1: ride that wave
0: the rest of that music and i was like well and it's not copywritten so that's good and that was about the last time i worried about copyright
1: <laughs> yeah line nine from outer space Starring the most nightmarish cast ever, Bella Lugosi, the seductive vampire, and Thor Johnson as the walking dead.
0: So yeah, a, a meeting of, uh, of fun, uh, horror, mm. horror history, filmmaking, and fandom. Yeah. All sort of seem tied up in Ed Wood, the man, Ed Wood, the movie, which came out like my first year of my first film program, and the movies of Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. Or just a great shorthand, I guess, at this point. Yeah. What came first for the ending was probably just more saying, Beware of the Moon, mm-hmm. which comes from uh, American Werewolf, uh, which is its own—we'll have an episode on that mm-hmm. down the line, I'm we sure. Must. So to come up with something with the word beware in it uh, was really a, a quick jump yeah. to that particular sound clip, which is—by the way, that's actual Bela Lugosi. Mm-hmm. And as we we haven't really done an introduction— yeah, we are covering mostly Plan 9 from Outer Space, which is considered the worst movie ever by some. Mm-hmm. But what surrounds it is something that I wanted the both of us to explore and talk about and have other people listen to. But because
1: I'm so glad you did.
0: What surrounds it is the man, Ed Wood, and the circumstances of its filming, and the man, Bela Lugosi, and the, his circumstances surrounding it, which is the man who played the undead died Mm. and then was brought back (laughs) via this movie. To die, to be really dead, that must be glorious. Something that I'd just like to start with is the correct pronunciation of Bela. Bela. If I get no facts right during this podcast, I want to at least pronounce his name right. Because the facts are kind of wishy-washy. Yeah. And jumbled and i've been reading a couple of books and i've been watching a few documentaries and i listened to the edward commentary and most of the good of that was just confirming for me that the truth has been kind of stepped on a few times people weren't keeping great records and why would they yeah and it's all based on people's recollections and some of them conflict And when these things were taking place, not everyone was sober.
1: And I think what the beauty of that is, we can kick this off by saying, just like Tim Burton did when he made Ed Wood, Mm -hmm. we can smooth out rough edges and think about these events and the products that came out of it, this film. We can think of them in glowing ways, in uh, whatever it means to us. Like, the facts maybe aren't that important, Can your heart stand the shocking facts of the true story of Edward D. Wood Jr.? Shall we take it back to when Edward D. Wood Jr. was born, Marshall? Yes. October 10th, 1924 in Poughkeepsie, New York. And he moved to Hollywood, what was he, 24? 24. He was 24 years old.
0: In between those two events came something that I don't think can be understated. Three things. One, he grew up loving the movies. He did. Got a job as an usher. Somewhere in there, the cross-dressing started. (laughs) He then entered World War II at the age of 17.
1: Is that how young he was? Gosh.
0: And he served in the Pacific Theater.
1: Confidentially, I even paratrooped wearing a brassiere and panties. I'll tell you, I wasn't scared of being killed, but I was terrified of getting wounded and having the medics discover my secret.
0: I don't know what kind of kooky guy he would have been. I don't know how bad his drinking would have been had he not seen been... Seen what he saw? Seen what he saw, did what he did. I know in Ed Wood, it's a real quick, you know, it's like, hey, I lost my Pearlies in the war. W 2 Yeah. In the book, my books are all spread out. Nightmare
1: uh, of Ecstasy? Is that what you had? Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. it says that the guy who knocked out his teeth with a rifle, Ed Wood then stabbed. Jesus. And kept stabbing.
1: Jesus. Well, I was reading... I don't have the name of the battle. There were several... A few battles he was involved in, but one of them, in one of the documentaries, the guy mentions that 4,000 men went in and 300 came out, and he was one of them. Yeah, I mean, he must have seen some stuff.
0: Yeah. Him and a lot of guys at the time, but I, I don't think it can... In the great story that is... Edward D. E. Wood Jr., it can really be underplayed. And then, just as as a nice parallel to Todd Browning, director of Dracula, uh, he worked for a bit in the carnival.
1: Did he, he? He
0: did the carnival circuit for a little bit of time before moving to Hollywood. That's fun. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: So, came to Hollywood at the age of 24, lover of film, and I guess the best way to sum it up is he discovered how difficult the studio system was and kind of just did better on his own, trying to raise his... Did better. I mean, enjoyed it better.
0: He didn't just throw up his hands and give up and say, I'm going to go sell insurance. Yep. He did as much as he could with what he could, and I think that is part of why people are so fond of Ned Wood. I work fast, and I'm a deal. I write and direct, and I'm good.
1: I appreciate it when I think about the world we live in where everybody's a critic. You know, everybody's got Twitter and their own blog and their own dumb podcast and their own <sighs> Facebook page where they'll go on a rant and critique every movie that's out there and talk about all the ways in which it sucks. But at the end of the day, a lot of these people aren't out there making something of their own. People who just make it their habit of ripping every new thing to shreds and don't ever put their money where their mouth is of like, here's how I do it better. And, and they you just, see a...
0: You see Mr. Edwood Wood as an antidote to that?
1: I think it's beautiful, despite the product. The point is, he has enthusiasm, and he's
0: enthusiasm. He's yeah. Enthusiasms. And a big buzzword around around this microphone. I got to hear quite a bit in, uh, when Tim Burton would come on to the uh, Revolving Door commentary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Positivity. Mm-hmm. He reacts well, and he believes that people react well to the positivity. And he's got a great folks... If you got the uh, the DVD, Tim Burton, Mr. Gloom, from time to time, you yeah. might say, talks about his time that he spent with Vincent Price as a young man, as Vincent Price was an old man, and looked at the way he regarded life, mm-hmm. and regarded his career, and was happy to be doing what he was doing, despite what he had done before, and selling shrunken apple head toys might not be as glamorous as being the star of a hollywood picture but it was all part of the merry-go-round of life mm-hmm. to mr vincent price and that's a lesson that uh, tim burton was says he tries to keep to heart yeah as he goes on in his own career it's alive
1: ugly creepy mildew spray on Tilex instant mildew stain remover and mildew stains vanish with no scrubbing try Tilex.
0: get your bath laboratory clean
1: so, Tim Burton's film Ed Wood came out when?
0: 94.
1: And it was the brainchild of two USC students. Is that what I'm to understand?
0: Two guys who met at USC. They went on to create Problem Child mm. and then Problem Child 2. And what then a franchise. found some difficulty being taken seriously. And almost as a reaction to that, went into the biopic business and started with the guy who was considered the worst filmmaker ever. Um, Which
1: traces back to, was it 1980? When the book came out? Yeah. The, that's, the book, that's where that happened. The
0: Golden Turkey Awards. Yeah. And it was, and they, it was kind of a slow burn, right. but then the book sort of unified everybody going, yeah, that movie. Right. Check the expensive set. That's a dime store shower curtain separating a cabin from the cockpit. And this is our first glimpse of the flying hubcaps the aliens flew in on. In the world. That's nothing from this world Amazing You can hardly see that string I saw Plan 9 for the first time I was supposed to go see Ed Wood With my friend Cavallini And then he had to babysit his little brother So we just got a copy of Plan 9 And watched that instead hmm. And we were like, this is, this is almost as good Yeah. And so that's the first time I'd ever seen Plan 9 Cute. I had heard of Plan 9 For a few years I was introduced to it when i was taking classes at university of the arts in their like summer program when i was a teenager and there were like a lot of cool kind of artsy kids and one of them had a plan 9 from outer space t-shirt nice which burned into my brain cuz i'm just like with bill Gosi and vampira who's vampira i guess that's her and then there's these astronauts and in that one it's just like the drawing mm-hmm. of them they've got like space helmets on and it just looked like a ton of fun and it looked like a cool shirt. And that guy was cool for wearing it. Yeah. And I now own two copies of that shirt. <laughs>
1: I met a movie star. Somebody really big. Who? Robert Taylor? No, a horror movie star.
0: Boris Karloff?
1: Close. The other one.
0: You met Basil Rathbone?
1: Oh, to heck with you. I met Bella Lugosi. Well,
0: I thought he was dead.
1: So, Ed Wood was a big fan of Bela Lugosi growing up, and I have here that he met him in 1952, and they were introduced by a mutual friend.
0: Yeah, which is a lot less interesting than the movie.
1: In the Tim Burton movie, Johnny Depp as Ed Wood is walking down the street, looks in a storefront that's like a coffin shop, and sees Dracula lying in a coffin. And he's like, I'm a huge fan of yours. A lovely meet-cute.
0: Yeah, and it's a lot more interesting than we met through a mutual friend. Yeah. But it is true that Ed started working on a knockoff of the Christine Jorgensen story, which is the first, well, I not guess... The first, not but the first, most
1: f- first famous case of someone getting a sex change operation. Yeah. That came into the public consciousness.
0: And that became Glenn or Glenda. And at the same time, he now knows this icon, and this icon could sure use the money
1: people. All going somewhere. All with their own thoughts, their own
0: ideas. All with their own personalities. So you have some thoughts on Glen or Glenda?
1: Well, I want to just recommend that if you're a horror fan and you're listening to this and you haven't seen Glenn or Glenda as I hadn't until literally yesterday, I really think you should. I think, first of all, because Ed Wood is such a huge part of horror sci-fi history and as he himself stated, quote, If you want to know me, see Glenn or Glenda. That's me. That's my story. No question. But Plan 9 from Outer Space is my pride and joy. And I think that Glenn or Glenda enters into really horrific territory. From my perspective, because the LGBT community is so important to me, the thought of how people are treated when they're different in any way that has to do with sexuality, it's completely horrifying to me. The way that these people over the course of history have been marginalized, experimented on, ostracized, beaten, killed, tortured, just awful, awful stuff. Now, not to be too heavy handed with this, but I like to think of horror in much more expansive terms than well, just this is a monster movie or a slasher or I think there are aspects of humanity that can be really some of the scariest stuff we can encounter. And Glenn or Glenda is an examination of it's a police detective Going to a psychologist, going like, hey, so this transvestite killed herself. Help me understand this because I want to prevent it from happening to another human, which is kind of how, I think I how he phrases
0: consider it. consider it horror, though.
1: No, no, no. I mean, no. It's, it's not a horror film. But it's what got I'm Ed saying Wood. Is, it's
0: got Bela Gossi, but
1: I'm not saying it's a horror film. What I'm saying is there is stuff that happens later in the movie, and it's not a long movie. It's like an hour and eight minutes. It's on YouTube. Just go watch it. There's, like, weird surreal dream sequences, like nightmare stuff that is so surreal and strange. And I was like, what movie am I watching? But I'm so glad I'm watching it. I just think it's fascinating, and I think it so informs... For me, I think it's ju- it just gives me such a better understanding of who Ed Wood was, which I think it helps when we are watching Plan 9 from and outer space. I did, kind of wish I had Which did you watch first? I watched Plan 9 first. And I kind of wish I hadn't. I kind of wish I'd watched
0: Interesting. Glenn, or-
1: Glenn or Glenda I watched on a whim, by the way. Like, there was no reason necessarily for me to watch it. But when I read that quote where he was like, that's me, that's my story, I was like, well, shit, it's an hour. Hmm. It's an hour long. I'd better watch it. Sure. So I just recommend it. I think it's worth watching because when you get into people's fears about sexuality, if you have a story about a transvestite, a person who likes to wear clothing of the opposite sex, being afraid of being who they are, it has a lot to do with fear of what is this inside of me and societal pressures to conform and then what you're afraid of other people doing to you if you don't. And I think it like it's this weird crossroads of those two fears of the other, of someone you know, and, and people's fears of, of, of the
0: inside and the outside.
1: Absolutely. And so I think, in that respect, it's an interesting examination of the human psyche and the way that we fear and why we fear certain things, even though it's not a horror movie. I think it has incredible bearing on that.
0: It does have some of the touchstones of horror just because it has Bela Lugosi sitting in that sort of mad scientist's.
1: Well, he's playing a god like case, like God. Because he's, like, pouring stuff in a beaker, and he's like, ah, life begins. And he's watching people go by on the street, so he's, like, playing God, or... It's a very strange movie, and I think just so... No one will
0: will dispute you on that.
1: so strange, and for that reason, when something is that strange and stars one of the biggest horror icons of all time, you have to watch it. That's what I think. Go watch it.
0: And as time went on, more people did. And if they were starting to ebb, then the movie Ed Wood... Kicked it back into gear.
1: Yes. Pull the string!
0: Pull the string! Cut.
1: Perfect. So, after Glen or Glenda, where, where do we take that?
0: Well, the film Ed Wood just concentrated on the Bela Lugosi years of his life and just concentrated on the Bela Lugosi movies that he made. He got in a couple other pictures... In the meantime, mm-hmm. like a, I want to say jailbait,
1: jailbait, the shocking story of boy, crazy girls and gun crazy guys.
0: Right. But the next stop on this train is Bride of the Atom, later titled Bride of the Monster. And that's the one where goes Lugosi got to play a, a mad scientist who isn't just like a, a metaphor, but is actually like a mad scientist.
1: Have you seen that one?
0: I have. And it's only made better by having seen Ed Wood the movie first. In particular, the whole bit with the octopus—they <laughs> did steal an octopus. Really? In real life, That's they fun. stole it from Republic Studios.
1: Did it fall on Tor Johnson?
0: I don't believe it did.
1: <laughs> that was really cute in the movie. He goes, me... You killed him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tor Johnson, the Swedish angel. He was a professional wrestler. He and, came and in
1: a big old teddy bear.
0: Yeah, came in at about four hundred pounds. Jeez. And Ed did not discover him. He had already been in uh, pictures before. I, I think in, in Ed the movie, he's like, how'd you like to be in the movie? He's like, like the Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had already been acting right. by then. And actually, it was considered a bit of a coup to get Tor Johnson in I would imagine, his well, his
1: name's very big in the titles of Plan 9. You know, people knew who he was. Yeah.
0: The octopus was from Wake of the Red Witch.
1: What a title.
0: And... The whole bit where he has to, because they didn't get the motor to make the octopus arms move, old Bela has to get in the water and make it move himself Mm -hmm. is just great to watch. And the part that the movie added, they wanted to put in sort of a a melancholy moment, and they chose that moment to put it into the movie. He's like, I turned down Frankenstein.
1: No, it wasn't sexy enough. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he did go on to play Frankenstein. And actually, he's the one, Bela Lugosi who pioneered the Frankenstein two arms out. Mm. I don't know if that's the greatest contribution to horror
1: ever. I don't know. To ever, if we're playing charades, but, that's my go-to. Yeah. To tell you it's Frankenstein.
0: You know what didn't make it into the movies? I think it was, I don't know where, where it is on the timeline, and trying to timeline any of this stuff just gives me a headache.
1: Yeah.
0: There's no photos of this. But there is a photo of his roller skates. But because it's true, he didn't drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was popular and rich, he got driven around. As he lost money, that's why he lived basically all around actual Hollywood instead of you know getting a nice place in the Palisades or something. Mm-hmm. He lived in Hollywood, so he stayed close to the studios. The house that he lives in, in the film Ed Wood, which he... Is filmed in front of for Plan Nine. That was actually Tor Johnson's, Johnson's house. Yeah, house. Yeah, mm-hmm. the way he got around besides some public transportation, they say he roller skated. He roller skated no. around Hollywood, up to a certain age, I'll say. But Vampira says that she actually first met Bela Legosi when he ran into her. No, out on the sidewalk, no. I guess, in Hollywood as he's roller skating along.
1: I want that to be true so much. I hope that's true.
0: It was just so crazy, it couldn't even make it into this movie of full of crazy things. Wow. Wow. Right?
1: That's incredible. And it
0: keeps cropping up, so it's either just like something you repeat until it's true? Yeah. Or it's just true
1: in the spirit of poetic license and making this story as charming as it can be because it's in the spirit of being passionate about filmmaking and artists and actors and storytelling it's true it's true it doesn't matter if it's factually true damn it it's true it's true to me it's true in my heart all right that's what matters other thing that I found, and I don't... I mean, this is too good to be true, but I hope it's true. It's kind of like the roller skate thing. There was this woman. Her name was like Val something. She was in one of the documentaries. I think it was the Plan 9 companion documentary. Blonde lady, yeah. like super hippy-dippy. She and, was
0: in like his later... Yes. Orgy of the Dead movies. Yes.
1: And she said that Ed Wood and Bela Lugosi would go to a cemetery. And Lugosi yeah. would dress up as Dracula and chase him around... They just played at it because they both enjoyed they it. They would just do that for fun. That is one of my favorite things I've learned about all
0: I, of them. I this. used to just wonder about that, and I picture them, them running, and then Bela taking off the cape and go, now you chase me, Eddie! Blah!
1: I could cry just hearing you describe that. I'm glad that I did a bunch of research before watching Ed Wood because I could pick out the points where, at least from what I had been reading and, and watching, where they had taken a little poetic license. So there's a scene where Ed and Bela are hanging at Bela's house watching Dracula or some iteration it. Watching thereof. White Zombie. Watching White Zombie. Happened. And cool.
0: That's how Ed Wood first saw vampire on television
1: Mm -hmm. so but they're at his house and Bela gets up and pulls a sheet uh, in the kitchen so you can kind of only see his shadow he says I don't feel well he goes in the other room shoots up morphine comes back and he feels great and that happened but in a slightly different way to someone else to someone else who who had to take him from set Home,
0: Yeah, to to Paul Marco.
1: And then Paul Marco describes the sheet that he pulls and then he sees him back and then he comes back out and he's ready and raring to go. So it was interesting to see how they sort of, you know, what elements they thought were important for us to see, but then how best to implement that. And in the development of Ed and Bela's relationship, it makes sense that they would want him there to see that. Because then he, in the movie, is the one who helps him get to rehab.
0: Ed, an addict himself of alcohol, Hmm. was more aware of bail his addiction yeah but it's nicer told from paul marco's perspective at least in that scene and he he did go to rehab
1: as i understand it Fela lugosi checking himself into rehab as a public thing was like a bit was groundbreaking because yeah. it wasn't he wasn't quietly going off and disappearing for a while and coming back feeling better yeah it made headlines and put his name in the papers again which he seemed to be happy about yeah, no he... press no press is bad press
0: and in one of the documentaries we saw, he talks about like, I'll be making a movie as soon as I get out.
1: Yeah, that the scene, I wanted to see west. more of that. Uh what Marshall's referring to is he's like on the steps of the rehab facility. I feel like he like marched out of the building. Yeah. Maybe not, but I it don't look think they though... let
0: press that close to rehabilitation centers anymore.
1: But he was happy to see the guy. You know, he's standing out there, he's like, I feel better than I've felt in years. I'm doing this new movie and Always the
0: gentleman. Feel
1: funny. Through his ups and downs. Yeah. I was happy to see him so excited.
0: In that interview, he's saying, I'm going to do the film The Ghoul Goes West, Mm -hmm. which never got done. And that leads me to the most difficult part of all my research because I wanted to find, finally, solidly figure out just what it was Ed Wood was filming when he filmed that little bit of footage that was considered. Bela's last movie, Mm -hmm. that he then put into Plan 9 from Outer Space and built the whole film around those, what, like one minute worth of footage?
1: And in the movie, it's implied... I think that yeah. Ed is sort of, you know, Bela says, I want to shoot something. I want to shoot. And so when he's... are we going
0: to make another movie? Yeah. Because as much as he needed money, he also loved to work. He
1: did. They made it seem in the movie as though Ed was setting up a camera and helping an old guy feel like he's doing something and is being useful yeah but I'm not sure how true that is. I mean, you came across uh the writers like different real different said pieces of information
0: that he was always filming bits of him to try to attract investors. They said they were just sort of like stuff to hustle with. Hmm. That's a cynical view. Mm-hmm. The ghoul goes west was one theory that looked back in Angora took right. Some people think it was actually plan nine that he had in mind. Edward has said that he had originally planned on Bela being the father of the pilot's wife in Plan 9. Mm-hmm. That, that that was part of a larger story. So that would imply that he had that in mind before he shot the footage. Right. Uh, I don't really Yeah. believe that. Another title is The Vampire's Tomb, some script that he had in mind. Yeah. When Bela actually died, he was sitting in a chair reading The Final Curtain, a script by Ed Wood. What? About an actor who something something... Horror, the vampires tomb part I kind of believe because it's said that in the script for Plan Nine, even though it didn't feature vampires, they he kept referring to him as
1: Dracula, a Dracula character. Yeah,
0: or as the vampire, mm-hmm. which totally because he goes around in the cape, he's kind of wearing a cape when it's actual Bayley Legosi footage. Yeah, but when he gets replaced by Doctor Tom, it's a full, full on, on yeah, Dracula mode, Dracula yeah. cape, absolutely. So. It could have Who been knows. any of these things.
1: I like the charming theory that the film presents or the, the, you know, the way it paints it, which is, you know, he's sh- shooting some footage. Bela's like, where's the sound crew? And he's like, ah, this is the second unit stuff. Yeah. Do this thing. What if I pick up a flower and blah. That's great. Let's shoot that. You know, it's uh, it's a nice way to think about it.
0: Yeah. So Bela died. I cried a little. Later. His funeral was actually in real life. Well attended.
1: Well, that makes me feel better.
0: Although, to make you sad again, I believe they were just showing the funeral as a reflection of how he lived. Mm. How he just sort of had this little group of misfits. entourage
1: of odd people. I also, I think part of my tears, by the way, I wasn't weeping, but, you know, got a little misty-eyed. I think part of them were an appreciation for that ragtag group of people.
0: Who had lost one of their own. Yeah. Well, I know that lots of people were there. Criswell was there. He says that he kind of lingered for a bit. By the way, he was in the mortician game, or his parents were. He grew up.
1: Oh, I did read that.
0: Yeah. And that he, I read, helped Vampira when her mom died.
1: I saw an interview, one of the documentaries about that, that Criswell, she said, I had never been through anything like that, and his family was in the business, so he stepped in and it." it all out, which I thought was really wonderful.
0: Yeah. So he kind of hung around for a bit. And saw a mom drag her little kid in, and the kid's, like, terrified. But the mom is like, look, like, brought him there to prove that Dracula was dead. Jesus. And can't scare him anymore.
1: Is that a true story?
0: According to Criswell. Wow. Right?
1: Wow. That, that is something. (laughs) Bella who Goose is dead. The bats have left the bell tower. The victims have been bled. The black lives, the black box. Bella who goose is dead.
0: So, uh, Bela has passed on, and Edward's landlord is very active with the Baptist Church of Beverly Hills and would like to make a movie about... Billy Sunday, I believe, he, I believe he was an evangelist. Uh, right now I'm reading Elmer Gantry, and it's about evangelism in the 1920s. Oh, boy. And that name just came up again. So I'm like, hmm, Billy Sunday.
1: So the way it happens in Ed Wood, is that the way it went down where he owed him rent money, and he said, I'll tell you what, you'll make all that back if you back my film. Is that quite how it went down?
0: It makes Ed seem a little more the opportunist, and I think both of them were. Okay. It made it look like he was sort of pulling one over on the Baptists. But the more I, I look into it, I yeah. think uh, J. Edward Reynolds, he had his eyes on the prize as well. And he was like, I'm going to get this sci-fi That's film. That's
1: how I took it from the film as well, because those Baptists weren't backing down.
0: Do you reject Satan and all his evils? Sure. In the name of the
1: Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.
0: They did get baptized. And uh, Brother Tor was too big to fit <laughs> in the baptismal pool. And this much is agreed upon as fact, which is they would dunk you three times. And Tor turned to Eddie and said, watch what happens on the third dunk. And on the third dunk, he stayed under and just wouldn't come back up until they thought like he was drowning. Oh, and, like, no. And had to, like, other people had to jump in and try to save him. And he's 400 pounds. So, like, Tor moves when Tor wants to move. It was great fun. Wow. And that's the scene where Bill Murray playing Bunny. Uh, yeah, who Bunny was,
1: Breckenridge.
0: He's quite a character.
1: Yeah, he is fun.
0: Introduced to the entourage through Paul Marco. And it's like he came from money, but he was the black sheep of the family. And a
1: little bit flamboyant.
0: He's got the great line, which is to say Bill Murray gets the line. <laughs> How do you do it? How do you get all your friends to get baptized? Just so you can make a monster movie. It's not a monster movie. It's a supernatural thriller. (gasps) So yeah, so now start the production of Plan 9 from Outer Space, at the time called Grave Robbers from Outer Space.
1: The movie came out in 1959?
0: Correct. Yeah. Cat. Yes. Can you summarize the movie?
1: I may get some details wrong, but the general plot is... These aliens have come to Earth, as we learn at the end of the movie, they've come to Earth because they are watching our progress and they see how we're blowing each other up with atomic bombs. And they say that sooner or later, we're going to discover solaronite, yeah. which is the like ability to explode sun particles, So, and we won't be able to help ourselves. We're going to blow it up because we can, because mm-hmm. we're, we have stupid, stupid minds. And if we learn how to do that, we're going to do it, and it will be like lighting a trail of gasoline that will go back to the sun and explode it and everything that the sun's rays touch, so thereby destroying the universe. So, to prevent us from destroying the entire universe, because we're stupid humans who don't know what to do with the power that we possess, because we're not as smart as they are, they decide to destroy Earth through the somewhat circuitous method of raising our own dead
0: I, well, I don't think it's to kill us all to or destroy something. earth
1: to take out mankind rather Th-
0: not even it's like
1: i think they say that they wanted to the getting better a message to, de- better across. to destroy one planet full of people than to destroy the entire universe
0: i think that's still like plan 10 maybe at the time it's to like get all of the dead to march on their capitals bunny eventually says that bunny by the way stupid plays like the high command leader
1: Plan nine. Ah, yes. Plan nine deals with the resurrection of the dead. Long distance electrode shortens the pineal pituitary glands of recent dead.
0: It starts off with the footage that he shot of Bela Lugosi, and Criswell narrates just to smooth over what the heck's happening. Yeah. It starts with him. We uh, should uh, talk
1: about that opening narration.
0: Okay, it was I think. Criswell predicting And, he and we was, should
1: talk about Criswell Do you want to give people, because I did not know Who this person was, and so watching Plan 9 from Outer Space Before I had done any research I was intrigued, but I didn't know who this Who this person who was talking Like this, and saying nonsensical Things like Future events such as these Will affect you in the future. I didn't know who he was. And I think it's so fun to learn about who Criswell, the amazing Criswell was.
0: Well, he started as a newscaster. And then when the show would run short, he just started making up outlandish predictions until that became its own job.
1: And didn't he claim that his predictions were 87% accurate or something and they were basically just never accurate? Yeah, Can I give us some examples of what he would claim?
0: Sure.
1: Some sources claim Criswell's most famous prediction was on the Jack Parr program in March of 1963, so after Plan 9, when he predicted John F. Kennedy would not run for re-election in 1964 because something was going to happen to him in November of 1963. Really? Kind of spooky. But that's the only spooky one. The rest of them are fun.
0: Yeah. Mae
1: West used Criswell as her personal psychic. He once predicted her rise to President of the United States, whereupon she, Mae West, Criswell, and George Liberace, the brother of Liberace,
0: I wish my brother George was here.
1: would take a rocket to the moon.
0: I guess just keeping a straight face is its own skill.
1: Yes. So we were talking about his opening narration where he introduces the audience to you know, what they're about to see. with And there's a bunch of nonsensical stuff about the just and the righteous and the On, on what the happened sinners. that night will
0: finally be exposed. And it's like, well, didn't they fly over entire cities? Like, who doesn't know that this happened in the context listen, of this movie?
1: Exactly. It doesn't make sense. All of us on this earth know that there is a time to live and that
0: there is a time to die. Yet death is always a shock. To those left behind We go to Bela at his wife's grave.
1: The narration describes him as the old man.
0: Yeah. That footage was in an actual graveyard that was going to be like relocated and was found by Tor Johnson's son Carl, who was equally large and a police officer.
1: <laughs>
0: but to get the good shot, they had to like rearrange some of the headstones. After filming, the San Fernando newspaper ran the headline Ghouls Invade Cemetery because they kind of left it all discombobulated. And now, like, people couldn't find where their loved ones were because they'd moved all the headstones.
1: Wow. That's a big mistake.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. All in the service of the movie.
1: The ever-beautiful flowers she had planted with her own hands became nothing more than the lost roses... Of her cheeks.
0: Then they use the shot of him coming out of the house and smelling the flower. And even though his shadow never makes it off of frame, we are to believe that he was then hit by a car.
1: Yeah. While we hear... Yeah.
0: So then he dies. And as many potholes and just things that make no sense in this movie. Like,
1: why is he a vampire when he di- after he dies? Why, yeah. is, why is Vampira so scary looking? There's no reason for it.
0: But they do take a moment to address that he was being buried in a mausoleum while his wife was buried in the ground, and shouldn't they be one or the other? Yeah. And like, yeah, it's an old family tradition. Nobody was thinking that. There's so much weird stuff already. We're only in, like, minute four. Yeah. That the fact that one's in a mausoleum this tiny mausoleum that they're exiting like a clown car. Yeah. That's made of cardboard. Because now we are on the cemetery set that's just like trees, fog, cardboard headstones, inky blackness.
1: Right. The fact that they are explaining this thing while
0: Why that not thing?
1: explaining anything. Else? Why
0: are we here at night? Why is this mausoleum so tiny? Yeah. Why was his wife a wasp-waisted ghoul? As played by Vampira, as basically as the character of Vampira, but without any talking. Yeah. Like in Ed Wood, the movie, that was her idea. She wasn't crazy about being in it, but her show had been canceled and she was on the skids, really.
1: And like in Ed Wood, the movie, Myla Nermy, who is Vampira, has said that she did take the bus...
0: Yeah. Set.
1: She had to make herself up at home because they didn't have hair and makeup. She did her own character and then rode the bus to to set. And I do wanna say you mentioned the grave set that it's mentioned multiple times in the documentaries we watched, and I'm sure in what you've been reading, that a lot of the stuff they filmed on a soundstage was filmed at a place called Quality Studios on yeah. Santa Monica Boulevard. It's near Western Avenue. I drove by it on my way into the valley today because Uh I had, when I was seeing shots of it from the documentaries, I was like, I know that gold diggers bar. Like I've (laughs) seen that before it's stuck in my head. I'm like, I can't believe it. I've driven by this thing a million times. And so I drove by just so I could see the little gap between the buildings that leads to the little alleyway that leads to the soundstage in the back. And, It warmed the cockles of my cold dead heart just to drive by there and see
0: where the magic happened.
1: Yeah, and because you know, it's still seedy there, you know, it's not like great, it's not the greatest block. Yeah, Um, but the fact that this movie and these lives of these people that in the last week of my life I've become so charmed by and so deeply ingrained in me now because I think about it in terms of all the stuff we've been talking about the good cheer, the passion, the persistence and it was and it's right there yeah little that little spot back there they all walked back there and i mean and
0: made their movie in five days (sighs) anyway is he dead yeah he's messed up as bad as those two back there suppose that saucer or whatever it was had something to do with this Your guess is good as mine larry
1: one thing sure inspector clay's dead Murdered, and, and somebody's, somebody's responsible. responsible. I just can't, I can't get over. It. I think that's my favorite line from the movie.
0: Yeah, it's one of the lines that they picked to actually go into Ed Wood, the movie, during yes. the, the montage.
1: I mean, there's so many things wrong with it. One thing's for sure, and then he lists two things. <laughs> but also, <laughs> it's
0: like like the least. That's like the smallest problem they have.
1: Right, but also he's dead, and somebody's responsible. Yeah.
0: You're in charge now, Lieutenant. Yeah, I guess I am.
1: It was pointed out in one of the documentaries or somewhere. Something that I have to admit I'm not sure I really noticed until someone said it. But the one cop who's, like, scratching his face with his gun and just pointing his gun at his yeah. head all the time and scratching his chin with it, pointing it at himself, pointing it around. I'm just like, oh, dude. You're just
0: using it to gesture.
1: Yeah. Like, that's not... What are you doing?
0: He looks nothing like Donna. He's kind of got his ears. <sighs>
1: Your face oh, now I can see it. Yeah. I want to suck your blood. I want to suck your blood.
0: Yes, Bela Lugosi was dead. He was replaced by a guy who was like a foot taller and barely looked like him, yeah. who would keep his face covered. That was a Dracula thing to do from Aben Costello Meet Frankenstein.
1: Really?
0: That's the movie he had done it in, and Bela himself had done it. Yeah. And in that movie, I'm like, yeah, why did he do it in that movie? I think that's because they had to meet him later as, like, the guy who lives in the castle. Uh, And he's like, oh, you're going to a masquerade party.
1: They didn't want want the characters to recognize him as Dracula.
0: That's my best explanation. So from that, then Edward could go, oh, yeah, well, just, you know, put your cape over your face, just like he famously did in that one comedy. Works for me. (laughs) Why you young
1: people making the most of life while it lasts? Thank you.
0: I know it was uh, Bela Lugosi's name is really big and Vampyra, but more than their pairing, because they were never really paired, it was her and Dr. Tom, if at all, but the image of giant, glazy-eyed Tor, bald, arms out, And walking next to slim, Mm wasp-waisted, bosomy, long fingernails, vampira with her long black hair, against his bald head. The two of them, as a duo, just coming at you. Just the image of them, even. It's
1: beautiful. It's beautiful. Striking. It's potent. It's Um, it's pretty
0: badass.
1: What do you suppose that noise was? Whatever it was, it's no more strange than the other things happening around this cemetery.
0: What Plan 9 does have is a lot of individual set pieces that look really great. And if you were to watch a trailer for Plan 9 from Outer Space, you'd be like, what's going on here? What a story. You got the flying saucers over Hollywood. You got this Dracula. You got Mrs. Dracula. You got the giant zombie tour. You got Spaceman. Uh, again, that poster, which was just an artist's representation of all the best parts. Mm-hmm. What a movie. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see a movie as good as that poster. Yeah. Um, it doesn't exist. No. But there's a lot of promise mm-hmm. in Plan 9 from Outer Space. And it's
1: this hodgepodge of science fiction and gothic fiction. Yes. Which they discuss briefly in the movie. Uh, you see Ed Wood talk to, I guess he's talking to Bela about... Those were the great times in the 30s when it you know, was all spooky and castles and darkness. and. But it doesn't make sense when you put those two things together. And from what I understand, you know, at that time, the Dracula stuff and the, all the dark castle gothic stuff was passe. It,
0: it was passe. It would get its revitalization within a few years mm-hmm. with the shock package. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize that because sometimes you just think of old movies just... Altogether. And you don't really think how, if he was in the late 50s, making something in the great traditions of the early 30s. Yeah. Or when he would try to make Westerns. I saw some footage from a Western he made. I'm like, oh, it looks pretty good to me. Yeah, but I'm just kind of lumping it in with like the Republic serials from 25 years earlier.
1: Right. When you, do you know? think about what they, what his contemporaries were doing.
0: He was trying to make movies like the ones that he'd loved when he was a kid. And in that sense, he succeeded.
1: And then threw in some Atomic Age space people stuff.
0: Yeah, because that, that's <laughs> what, what was, was hot.
1: selling, yeah.
0: So I guess it just takes more time to pass before you reach people who just kind of takes the past all at once. You mm-hmm. can take your movie and then add it to the lexicon of all the other Bela Lugosi movies, even though the time in between the two were so far apart. Yeah. You know. Cut, Brent, we're moving on. That was perfect. Perfect. Mr. Wood, do you know anything
1: about the art of film production? Well, I like to think so.
0: That cardboard headstone tipped over. This graveyard is obviously phony.
1: Nobody will ever notice that. Filmmaking is not about the tiny details. It's about the
0: big picture. The big picture? Yes. Then how about when the policeman arrived in daylight, but now it's suddenly night?
1: I also noticed a lot of, like... Day-for-night shooting that just look like daytime, and then it was just suddenly they're in the graveyard, it's dark, she's running down the road, it's light. I'm like, what time of day is it?
0: That's one of its biggest, just, what? And not only that, but like, sometimes it's Dr. Tom, sometimes it's Bela. He's outside in a real cemetery, but the fake Bela is in a fake cemetery. And then at least once, fake Bela is in a real cemetery. And most of that is when the wife is running from both fake and real Bela. Right. Who, like, fake Bela comes into her bedroom, <laughs> and she uh-huh. runs outside, and then is followed by real Bela, and then fake Bela, and then she runs into a car, and that's on a real road, and then she's being watched by Vampira, who's in a fake graveyard. I mean... And it all just kind of comes at you the at once. mind reels. But the fact is, we were, at the end of the day, able to follow it. Totally. Without anyone sitting there and explaining it to us.
1: Which I might also just, uh, and maybe I'm making too many concessions for it, but I kept seeing the word surreal pop up, and people who were being more generous towards it were saying that, His work, because it's so enthusiastic and done so on the fly and just with whatever's there and whatever's working, and you've got these kind of, like, uncomplicated sets that sort of, like, the cockpit doesn't look like really, like, a real cockpit, but then it's all kind of takes on this tone, this, like, dreamlike, surrealistic... Like a stage play? Yeah, totally, that is its own thing and in many ways can be kind of sublime, right? If we're glass half-fulling this. Sure. You know? At the end of the day? At the end of the day.
0: We have successfully risen three of the dead ones. Permit me to see one. Bring in the big one. Use your small electrode gun. Another thing that they bother to explain, out of everything that's wrong with it, they do bother to, um, when the alien lady, uh, her ray gun isn't working to control (laughs) Tor. and then they're like, throw it on the ground! So that breaks the beam, and then she picks it back up, and then she goes... Oh, throwing it on the ground must have fixed the jam. <laughs> so, like, that's why it works now. Fine. Okay. Fine. We weren't all terribly concerned.
1: I saw a flying saucer.
0: Saucer? You mean the kind from up there? Yeah, well, it's counterpart. The flying saucers themselves were not pie plates. I heard a Cadillac hubcap was used when they ran out of models.
1: But the models themselves. But they were models. I love that in one of the documentaries we watched, they tracked down the only flying saucer model available when they were filming it. And they were like, so this is what was used, which is super magical. But then I heard, like, Ed Wood himself, and whether or not the hubcap thing was true, he would start telling people that because it sounded fun.
0: Yeah. So the closest I'll believe it is that he ran out of models and then used hubcaps. Right. But by and large, models, which, according to him, the base was rather square. Which is why every time we see the flying saucer, square on the outside, square on the inside. Wow. Inexplicable ladders, both on the inside and outside <laughs> of the flying saucers.
1: Why is it so important that you want to contact the governments of our Earth? Because of death. Because all you of Earth are idiots.
0: Now you just hold on, Buster. No, you hold on the part that ed was most proud of and it said that he would like call up his friends whenever it was being shown on tv and being like plan nine's on tonight is the speech the speech at the end the whole solar night mm. speech and
1: solar uh, solar night
0: solar night solar night they say night. it different
1: ways some oh, of okay. the time is what i'm getting at is most of the time they say solar night but then there's one time where one of them doesn't say
0: it that way and it's Which- Inconsistent. Climaxes with your, your stupid You're mind. You're stupid, stupid. Stupid. That's all I'm taking from you. Get back here. Punch. Punch.
1: Let him finish. The movie Ed Wood was not a box office success. Even Martin Landau, when he's accepting his Oscar, he says thank you to everyone who saw it, which is... Less people than are in this room or something. He makes a joke about how no one saw the movie. I guess it
0: really found its feet on video.
1: It did. And and it was critically very well received. Just no one saw it. And I came across a bit about Tim Burton talking about the film. He said, so it's got an overly optimistic quality to it. He acknowledged that he probably portrayed Wood and his crew in an exaggeratedly sympathetic way. But he said he didn't want to ridicule people who had already been ridiculed for a good deal of their life. And I like that attitude. It seems as though the way that Tim Burton portrayed the events and the people in Ed Wood really mirrored the way that Ed Wood approached shooting things. The point of all of it was to make a picture. And quite often the fine details escaped him. But the passion and the dedication and the desire to be a part of something bigger than himself and to create something that he watched as a kid and been totally affected by i think that's
0: he wrote himself into the lore of dracula he did and the lore of bela lugosi and just kind of got in under the wire you might say yeah and then tim burton wrote himself into the lore of ed wood as well as um we came close to actually saying their names, and, and we never did, the screenwriters, mm. who got the whole thing rolling. Right. And that is Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski. Yeah. All right, cat listeners, here's my own little footnote to this whole saga. Is a few years ago, Sumo Dan said, hey, I'm helping shoot this music video at a house in the Hollywood Hills, do you wanna come be a part of it? Are you Are gonna be like, a, like an extra at a party or something? And I'm like, okay. And what it was was a music video starring one of his sumo friends, a really big guy who has since passed on, and this wasn't very long ago, Emmanuel Yarborough, mountain of a man. And to populate the sort of party scene that they had like surrounding him, they just got a lot of his sumo friends. And it was like a lot of sumo wrestlers hanging around this house in the hills that don't get together too often. So they were all, you know, happy to see each other. <laughs> and Emmanuel was filming when we got there. So they just sort of stuck us out by the pool. And so I'm just hanging out on the patio of furniture and other guys are kind of catching up. And then Emmanuel comes out and he's like, oh, guys, thanks for coming out. These kids are great. This whole like, production, they're really doing some great things. You know, the uh, one of them, this is her father's house. And boy, he's done some stuff. He was one of the writers on uh, Ed Wood. I was like, hold the phone. Is it Larry Karaszewski? I've been sitting on Larry Karaszewski's patio furniture for the last hour. And then I was just like looking for details. Like, this is his home? That's his conversation pit? Those are his record albums? <laughs> That's his kitchen island? And then I-, I met his daughter and I was like, hi. I promise not to take any souvenirs. <sighs> I came close Uh in one of his downstairs bathrooms was a lot of paperback books and I was like they'll never know if one goes missing (laughs) but I'm not that guy so I didn't take any souvenirs and then later Larry himself came one half of the writing duo that brought the world Ed Wood holy crap Mm -hmm. and I was kind of sheepish but once again that mountain of a man the late Emmanuel Yarbrough was just like hey this guy's a big fan And I got out this uh, during a handshake. Hi, I follow you on Facebook. And, and, you know.
1: That's all you had?
0: That's all I had. Uh, If he was like, tell me all about it. Yeah. Then we would have had a long conversation and been best friends. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, I spent a long evening, (laughs) mostly on the patio furniture of the guy who co-wrote the biopic of Edward D. Wood Jr., Uh, so Cat. Edward the Man. Mm -hmm. Edward the Movie. Ed Wood's Movie. Plan 9 from Outer outer Space. space. If you can only see one... Actually, if you can only see one, watch Edward the Movie.
1: Right? Uh, especially if you've listened to this podcast. Because then you'll have a little background.
0: But coming in at like an hour 40, watch Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah.
1: I feel. Watch like, it with friends. I feel like this episode of Boys and Ghouls is so quintessentially our aesthetic in many ways. I mean, we've covered like the, 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 the Saw the, films, you know, and things like that. But I think this enthusiastic, spooky um,
0: man or movie,
1: both uh, is just so my favorite kind of thing, and I think yours too.
0: Really, yeah, and I'd rather not approach it as. The worst movie ever. Yeah. If that's what it takes to get its name out there, fine. But I think of it just as this great landmark at a lot of crossroads. It's the darkest part of this awesome Venn diagram, mm-hmm. I suppose.
1: Plan 9 from Outer Space is so watchable. And it's not just about what you notice that's wrong. It's so much more than the sum of its parts, I guess I'm saying.
0: Made all the better if you know the story behind it. Absolutely. Know the people behind it. Know the sincerity with which it was made. And the enthusiasm with which it was made. Yeah. And I'm glad that, in general, a corner has been turned in its appreciation from just, like, this object of derision to this object of celebration. Definitely. His movies... That's actually why we did this particular episode, Kat, because you were going away for a while, and I just wanted to cover some films that were readily accessible, and mostly on YouTube, and there's no more having to uh, stay up late at night. There's no more... Actually, I would like to go to a screening of this. I would like to see this movie with like a group of people. I
1: would, too. And for
0: a while, that was how people would see it. It got roadshowed by the guys who... Made that Golden Turkey Awards,
1: and you know Mulder has seen it forty-two times. He mentions in an episode.
0: Probably more by now.
1: Yeah, it's his. Fa- it's like his favorite movie.
0: What more recommendation do you <laughs> I need? I know.
1: If Fox Mulder thinks it's great, then what more do you need to know?
0: None. I'm just going to go out on Fox Mulder. How about that? <laughs> okay, everybody. Thanks for uh joining us on this journey. If you knew nothing about it, it or if we're just you know repeating oft-told, third-hand anecdotes about this crazy film. Thanks for making it all the way to the end with us. If you like what you hear, drop us a line. You can reach us at boysandghouls at gmail.com. Head over to iTunes, leave a comment.
1: Yeah.
0: Head over to Facebook, give us a like. I'm over on Pinterest having a good time.
1: Head over to Instagram and Twitter and just wherever you want to reach out, reach out. We love that. Sometimes we hear from people and it's always the best day of the week for me.
0: Whichever one of us finds the email first, we then text the other person. Yeah. Going like, we got another one.
1: (laughs) It's exciting.
0: And uh, look for new episodes on the 13th of every month. So have a good time with that. And as always...
1: Beware the moon.
0: Beware. Decay. Beware. Beware.